Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. way to bring in 2020 folks it's a new year for dum-de-dum it's a new year for the planet it's a new decade it's a new everything and we have a brand new spangling dum-de-dum from our kirsten foster didn't she do well our lucy she did extremely well mm-hmm. and um as i said a rousing way to bring in the new year now this is Dum Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands on the exotic pub emblem that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the roadkill that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of the demise, folks, of Eccles is you. This week's Dum Dum is from R. Kirsten. She's a first-time Dum Dum marinera. So well done to you, Mrs. Uh, top of the shop and all of that. Now, Lucy, somebody wants to join our Kirsten and send us in a dum-de-dum. How can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is still recovering from the New Year's fancy dress party at the ball. Derek and Auntie Cardboard went as Peter Andre and Katie Price. And uh, Derek was surprisingly convincing, although one of his nipple tassels fell off halfway through the cha-cha slide. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we hear views from Merlin Witherspoon and Andrew, because Claire was last week, Lucy. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. But first, before uh, the three, the mangy, lonely three calls that we have this week, it's a bit of a sausage fest. 
Merlin, Witherspoon, and Andrew. It's all, it's all the men. Mm. Um, so I don't know where the lady people were this week. That's not very nice. Well, I'm just <laughs> I'm making a real I rick of this meager. this week. Aren't Did you mean meagre, not mangy? Me- I mean, bits I aren't dropping off them as far as I know. <laughs> well, we go from feast to famine, don't we? Yes, I know. And, you know yeah, one... we're either fighting our way out from under the whole of the Isle of Man rings in, or something, or <laughs> or three. Yes, but at least it's three good ones. Yes, that's what we've got yeah. for you, folks. Three <clears throat> excellent, tip top mangy calls and uh <laughs> sorry 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 uh but anyway uh i'm wittering on but um why don't we have a little bit of our loose and a week in ambridge new year to all we celebrated new year's eve in the most ambridge way possible with an old man being sick good news gavin and stacy are getting married Yay. at philip's vast expense <laughs> uh, kirsty who still cannot control her full body twitch whenever anyone mentions weddings asked roy who is relatively sane and has managed a complicated step family with some success although he has produced a daughter who can't speak without sounding as if she's about to start sobbing like Gwyneth Paltrow at an awards ceremony, said, back off, Kirsty, and leave it. Honestly, Krusty, do not get involved. Mm. Instead, Krusty decided to take advice from Helen, who cannot manage her own family, let alone anyone else's. Oh, yes, I'd go wading in, Kirsty. That's what I'd do, she <laughs> said. Krusty, how long have you known Helen? If Helen telling you that that's exactly what she would do didn't make you second guess it, then frankly, you're on your own. We can't help you anymore. I'm sorry, love. Josh is still AWOL and Rex's two brain cells suddenly sparked into life and he refused to fabricate paperwork for the police. Toby described this as being painfully moral. No, it's just sanity. Helen Archer rule applies. Well done, Rex. At least somebody listened. (laughs) We didn't hear from Jill. Uh, Presumably, she's still in the kitchen at Brookfield making mince pies with sooty. We went on a little trip out. That's a good one. Well done. Uh, With Helen and Krusty to some berserk kind of fancy dress shop. The only costumes they seemed to have available were either sleeping bags or fruit and vegetables. I mean, ideally suited for Helen, but who knew her niche tastes would be so catered for? Not to mention Krusty, who said that Philip fancied rabbits. Normally, fancy dress shops in small towns only ever have sexy schoolgirl, Adam Ant, and vaguely (laughs) historical type woman with her boobs out for medieval banquet, Game of Thrones, or similar. Who in their right mind is going to go as a carrot? It's a party. You're not standing outside Asda handing out healthy eating flyers and frightening small children. Anyway, in the end, Krusty went as Greta Thunberg's more earnest older sister and Helen went as something sexy that she had to have her wimple taken up. (laughs) Lee had to tell Helen who she was and it turned out to be Black Widow. And for those who don't know, Black Widow's backstory is that she didn't realise she had superpowers until someone moaned about her custard and she stabbed them with a bread knife. (laughs) There was more... There was more world of weird over at Bridge Farm. Lee bought Pat some flowers to say thank you for allowing him to spend Christmas Day watching Joy Horville chase Tony around the kitchen with her bra off, shouting, (laughs) look at me midget, Tony, look at it! (laughs) 
Tony taught Lee the wrist technique involved in good tossing. And there was the usual patronizing rubbish about, ha ha, isn't it funny that Lee doesn't know anything about farming? Mm. Why would he? He's not a farmer. Would Lee ridicule Tony for not knowing anything about karate or whatever the hell it is Lee does? Then Tony went into unnecessarily forensic detail about rubber bands around testicles until they drop off and every male listener limped silently across the kitchen to turn the radio off. Mm. The Three Stooges have successfully rewilded the sum total of Jack so far. Justin, with more front than Brighton, told Phoebe that he had only been successful in business by absolute trust and communication every step of the way. Excuse me? Mm. The same Justin who refused to tell anyone about his plans for the abattoir, creating a gigantic rift between his partner and her family, or the Justin who double-crosses his business partners every chance he gets. Jimus stopped hurling for long enough to struggle <laughs> up the attic steps and perform his ghost stories. For one horrible moment, it looked like Robert was going to have to do it, much to his distress. I've always been happy around the back, he said. It's not magic time now, Robert. <laughs> then Elizabeth <laughs> stepped in to bolster him up. Everyone gets nervous, Robert, she said. You'll see. Once you get going, it's as easy as falling off a roof. <laughs> Poor old Harrisman said he was dealing with a nasty pile-up, but as long as he keeps sitting on the cushion, it'll take the pressure off. Yay. And finally, over at the bull, Kenton deaded Eccles, which makes a change from Blue Bottle. Kenton overreacted. What did that bird ever achieve apart from endless squawking? Oh, there she is. Hello, Jolene. <laughs> Hello, Kenton, said Jolene. Why she started talking in that weird, sinister way to Kenton, she sounds like she's a hit woman about to blow the back of his head off. Sorry, back to the peacock. The bull was always the pub with the peacock, said Robert. Nope. It was the pub with the annoying landlord with the megaphone. It was the pub with the tone-deaf country and western singer, with the pissed elderly barmaid, the strange man in the corner banging crisp packets, and the gin with bits in it. But it was never, ever the pub with the peacock. Mm. We haven't heard from Eccles since he roosted on top of the phone box. Stop making things up to fit the storyline, scriptwriters. None of us gave a flying fig about the sodding peacock. He won't be sorely missed by anyone. But at last, at least... It means everyone's giving us their fictional reminiscences of Eccles rather than bloody Joe Grundy. The end. Oh, that's a, that, that was really good. You know what? Best monologue of the year. Of 2020. Well I knew you were going to say that. Oh, so Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Best of the decade then. <laughs> um, I must admit, I, I was somewhat heartened to find a B-list Marvel superhero reference in The Archers. And I said to myself, is that a nod and a wink in my direction? Do you think? Or, or is that just rampant egotism? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with A, actually, but anyway. <laughs> no, it's rampant egotism. It, it was, yes. uh, yeah, 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 you know. She's, she's kind of out there in the zeitgeist. It's our, it's our Natasha, sometimes known as the Black Widow. But anyway, um, right. Um, mm, uh, mm, Lucy. I quite likely. I'm sorry, but I do. I, I like Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I thought you were gonna, you know, gonna no. damn him. No, no, no argument from me there. No, I All like right. him. Hmm. And he's making me almost quite like Helen because she's sounding quite normal. Oh no, that's a bridge too far. But I do, <laughs> I do like him. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll grant, I'll give you a Lee. I'm not going as far as a Helen. No. So, are we gone from superheroes to uh, to to war films now? A bridge too far. 
Yes. I just awesome. think that, A, I can't, I can't bear all that sniffy snobbiness about, oh, how funny he doesn't know what a steer is. Of course he doesn't know what a steer is. Why would he? You know, mm. it's not... It's just so patronizing and so awful, and it's what gives the countryside a bad name, really. Mm. Uh, that, that and the smells. That and the smells. And the, is what... and the poo, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yes, and I think he seems to be, I mean, he knows who he is. He's not pretending to be anything else. He's, you know, and I did like the scene where they were pissing themselves laughing because of joy, you know, uh, mm. everything, you know, Tom and his drunken, jacuzzi <laughs> with joy horville and mm. uh yes it was that was you know daft and they were they it sounded that sounded sort of like the most light-hearted helen has been for a long long time what and uh, he that? sort of just seems he's not trying to impress anybody he knows who he is and he doesn't care that he's you know what they would call a townie he just gets on with it i like that what was that whole tony and joy thing supposed to tell us uh, I don't know. I mean, was it trying to just put out of our minds, no, there is nothing going on here? I did like it when Joy went, he's not tall enough. <laughs> mm. I suddenly had visions of Tony as a little midget. Um, I don't know. I just, I think it's kind of um, to put us off, maybe put us off the um, the the idea of anything, of any infidelity, full stop. Uh, and also to highlight the fact that you know, Pat and Tony have been together for so long, they're practically one person, and that this might herald some sort of attempt by one of them to sort of revitalise their marriage a bit, possibly. I've got no idea. Mm. It was all quite odd, <laughs> really. Quite I mean, it was a hell of a lot of, it was a hell of a lot of story to go nowhere, wasn't it? Exactly. Like, they, it could have just, like, bumbled along in the background and then six months in, we just come to the realisation that, you know what? A bloke of a certain age with a woman of a certain age can just be friends. And that's oh. just what it is. It didn't need this supposed, you know, eruption from Tom. Um, I just, for me, the whole thing just felt odd. But mm. um, I may be um, stealing Andrew Thorne's, Andrew Thorne, Andrew Horn, sorry. I'll say that again. Um, but maybe I'm stealing Are you Andrew Thorne. going to steal Horn. Andrew Thorne thunder? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Stop it, you. <laughs> Andrew Horn's thunder. Because I, he makes a similarish point that maybe we're suffering, suffering from some turbulence of there being a new kind of script editor here. And uh, things just aren't quite gelling. Because it's just didn't quite, quite make sense to me. Um, another thing which didn't quite make sense was uh justin and phoebe's um little tete-a-tetes and stuff considering that in effect justin has just like done one over on her yeah so him offering her advice yeah. and whatever and lifts <laughs> home would you care so, like, salt be with your wound sir yes i know it's sort of it was very odd that really really peculiar and she and she yeah. took it and seemed grateful it's just Bizarre. yeah but why is she to why does why does she always talk like this as if she's about to start sobbing at any moment? I mean, I know she's kind of she is a woman on the edge at the moment, but she always talk it doesn't it doesn't she doesn't stop doing that. Mm. Uh, well, 
my my thoughts and feelings on this rewilding nonsense uh, are well known and all of none of it all of it just is nonsensical to me and (laughs) yeah (laughs) why she would confide in justin bonkers her behavior bonkers real wilding i'm not saying that is bonkers i'm just saying i don't understand how it's a business though i know people have sent us emails sent us tweets with links to uh you know the supposed profitability of it. But when we're looking at a world where we're burning resources and, uh, you know, the the evidence of what we're doing to the planet is is all around us, uh, that we're consuming things and, you know, Australia's burning down, California burns down yearly, places are now flooding. Um, Surely rewilding is about balance and isn't fundamentally about profit it's about sustainability and not about um you know uh, getting gold coin out out of the land but i don't know i'm not uh, an a green expert so i'm going to move on lucy uh, the next thing which i don't re- i don't really don't make any sense to me was this whole kenton thing in eccles i just lucy can i just be Please explain to me, right, how Kenton, and maybe I'm mixing up my weeks here, Kenton did not know that Jolene was having him on and she knew that he killed the peacock all along. Explain how Kenton didn't know. Well, okay. Jolene knew that he'd murdered assassinated well he'd assassinated yeah. Eccles she knew the massive flaw in that is if he was that paranoid mm. about anybody finding out you'd think the first thing he would do is check his car for fucking peacock well, feathers <laughs> excuse the language but for god's sake well this this is the thing it's like I I think it's quite nice that this bird that most of us had kind of forgotten about or weren't even aware of but I was vaguely aware of Eccles Right, that this bird has had its time in Ambridge and it's all come to an end. I think that's actually quite nice because many uh, characters and plot lines just drift off and don't get resolved. And they've said, you know what? There was this bird 20 odd years ago. We're going to kill it stone dead. Yeah. Right. And it's just gone. I like that. Not that the bird is dead, though I have a real thing about birds because I think they're dead eyed creatures with no souls. But that's another <laughs> conversation. Lucy. They are. But as somebody pointed out to me, I was talking about turkeys and chickens. And turkeys are incredibly evil looking things and who just look straight through you and they're looking at you. Yeah. Right. And maybe chickens are a little bit warmer and they have more personality. But turkeys, Jesus Christ, they're like (laughs) zombies from The Walking Dead. I hate live turkeys. I like them. I like to eat them. They taste really nice. But you see a turkey walking down the road. Jesus Christ, it's a scary creature. And turkeys together? Yeah. Anyway, so it's really good that they remembered that the bull had a peacock. Yes. Kenton ran it over. Yes. Okay. But this is substandard uh, sitcom-esque nonsense, wasn't it? 
what a book of commemoration and, that, and all that stuff that she's trying to convince him. That yeah, want, let's yeah. ring, get get yeah. the police involved yeah. and come on, come on. But is, you, is this really... just not as a way of introducing the fact that they want to rebrand the bull? And, you know, all of hmm. a sudden this peacock rubbish is being really egged up as, you know, Robert saying, oh, it was part of the, it was the bull's USP. And as I said in the monologue, you know, um, this was known as the pub with the peacock. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Um, mm. You know, it's, <sighs> is that not just a, is this like a very, very unsubtle kind of um, shoehorning in of this long drawn out ridiculous? Because we've had but, but, Angus looking around and then, you know, now we're going to have some dark Maybe. But Kenton killed Eccles. Fine. Let's just have one episode where he's sweating buckets. Maybe two. Oh, my God, I've killed the peacock. Then the next episode, you know, he doesn't know how to tell Jolene. Jolene knows, and she's kind of slightly pulling his leg mm. and whatever. Not drag it out over days. It's nonsense. She seems to be acting really oddly at the moment, Jolene. Is she acting oddly or has she been given some dodgy lines? I think it's dodgy lines, Lucy. But it's the way she's talking to him. She talks to him mm. as it, I mean, he's her husband and she is talking to him. And they have always got on. I mean, they're fiery, but they've got on relatively well. But now she's talking to him as if he's, you know, sort of an 11-year-old boy on work experience who's pot washing. Well, you know, she, be she said to him this time, this, the last episode, didn't she? Something about oh, see if you can do this properly or something that would make a change. Some really snidey thing. I just thought, oh, God, stop it. Horrible. Well, to be fair to Jolene, Kenton does have large dollops of 11-year-old schoolboy within him. Mm. He does. That's part of his DNA, all this, you know, comedy Christmas tie nonsense and stuff. And he was acting <laughs> like a child. He should have just said, I ran over the bird. Yeah. I didn't mean to, yeah. but yeah. it just happened. It was a horrible accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 End up. Yeah. Right. So. Mm. But it's because he'd anyway. been moaning about it, because it had been keeping him up, because it had been squawking, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So, you know, it was it was torturous. The kind of the the whole storyline was what, torturous. The storyline, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and with seemingly no actual need for it to be like that. Exactly. If the pub was called the Peacock, I could understand. Yes, it's not. It's called the Bull. <laughs> so, you know, no one's killed the Bull. It's fine. Carry on as you were. Yeah. Weird. Mm. Very weird indeed. As was that ridiculously stereotyped. Um, I know we're going back a couple of weeks now. Uh, ridiculously stereotyped consultant. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Lucy, what's been going... Do you think... Now, I know that The Archers is written and performed at least six weeks in advance. Mm. But do you think this was the equivalent to their Christmas? So they're just like all just like, <laughs> you know, clocked out. <laughs> Writers, actors, script editors. You'll go. Just go on about... Pretend to be a consultant or something. It's fine. We're, no one's missing anyway. <laughs> I seriously think they just said, you know what, we're going to be putting this out at Christmas. 
no one's going to be really paying any attention. They're all going to be like, but actually, you know, the viewing the, figures the go Baileys. up over Christmas and New Year because more people have got more time to listen. They're more likely to be in the kitchen c- cooking for longer periods. So it's kind of a key time for them. It's not a quiet time. Is that an absolute fact? I think Kerry said that, but uh, forgive me, Uncle God, if I have got this wrong. I'm sure it was him that said it. Because it would make some kind of sense that in Soapland, not that this is a soap, it's a docudrama, of course, that uh, viewership is up. That's why in EastEnders back in the day, you also had something dramatic happen on the Christmas episode because I knew that more people were going to be watching. That would make much more sense. It would make a lot of sense. However... As a counterpoint to that, online activity goes down at Christmas. So, and I'm not saying that everybody listens to the Archers online, but I forget what it is, whether it's uh, 20% or whatever the heck it is, or a quarter of all listenership of the Archers is actually online. But online does go down. Podcast listenership does go down and it's podcast listenership and online activity full stop is really aligned to the academic year it's one of those things which uh kind of it belies kind of where the internet kind of sprang out of or at least not necessarily sprang out of but the early usage was uh educational establishments and it's still to this day you can you can see a usage goes down at weekends um it goes down during the relatively goes down at the summer and stuff and goes down at Christmas just saying Mm. Mm. Um, I think radio listening goes up well you could well be right and maybe that um, counterbalances uh, the online dippage so who's to say uh, over the I'm not sure if anyone was aware of the New Year's honours list the Queen did a load they were quite boring so we thought we'd do ours so uh, we have appointed (laughs) Richard Keeling (laughs) Uh, is now, when you say we, do you mean I you? I mean me. I have the sword. You I waved me. it around. I knighted him. He is now keeper of the Dumpty Dates. And he messaged me this morning to say that today is Jennifer Aldridge's birthday. And she is 75 today. Really? Happy birthday, Jennifer, and your strange tasseled loafers. I... Don't see her as being that old. No, I, don't. I don't picture her as being that old. But she did. Well, she was because she had a big seventieth birthday, didn't she? No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, I don't even quite see Brian as that old. I still see him as kind of in his sixties. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, uh, well done, uh, uh, Miss Mister Mister Knight, and uh, also Mister Keeling, Sir Richard well, Keeling, keeper of the Dumpty Dates. Well, uh, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> When you said we, like, this is like a committee of one <laughs> decided this. Election. Yeah, let's not talk about that, uh, eh? Anyway, <laughs> uh, Gavin, Philip, and Kirsty. You know, I've got a little bit of a theory about Philip, and I know it's going to be proven wrong, but just bear with me on this. So, Philip's got this business, yep, yeah which apparently does okay. He was going to do Jim's place at cost. He had the time to do it and he didn't want to make, didn't have to make any money from it. And he's going to do the playground, do it up for now. And then 
Gavin basically says to Kirsty, Naff off, you're a gold digger. How do you know how much money my dad's got? Yeah. Now, he's, to me, that says that he hasn't got his money through legal gains and that maybe his business is some kind of front. Felix's business? Yeah. No. Yeah, loose. Bet you 20 he's quid. He's always doing... He's always... I bet you 25. He's always doing jobs for free. I think you've confused he, betting and bartering, Royfield. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not bartering. Haggling. I mean, haggling. We're not haggling. I bet you 20 quid that Philip's business is absolutely honest. There's something up though, Lucy. There's something up. Okay. All right. I think it is actually honest, but there is something up with that business. I'm not saying it's totally dodge. I'm not, right? But bear with me on this. He didn't buy the house cash. He didn't, did he? But there was something... Remember, Kirsty was very uncomfortable about the amount of money which he could afford and she couldn't really, you know, equitably share in, you know, buying the, the house. Remember? Yeah. And she felt all, you know, she felt uncomfortable, right? So there's that. Money. Everything about Philip, which has any depth, is to do with money. There was that. Then, there, as I said, then there was, Jim, I'll do your pay for cost. I'll do the playground for no cost. And then his son comes along and his son says, I want you to give me 20 to 30K for my wedding. Mm-hmm. Now, in which world does a bloke that's just moved into a little, um, because that place is not big, you know, it's a, it's a new build, walk up to his pops and say, give me 20 to 30K. But he said, he said to Kirsty, didn't he? Posh house. So I think well, the Beechwood houses... Forward slash new. I think... They're not big, though, are Well, we don't know, do they? we? Because they never tell us. <laughs> um, Can we see a floor plan? <laughs> I know what you mean. It's always subtly about money with Philip. And, and my point is this. Okay. Okay. So let's say it's a big new development. Just whatevs. Mm. Right. But... Gavin, okay, he's a little bit slightly away with the fairies, okay, but on what planet does somebody, unless they know the finance of their parents, say, give me twenty to thirty thousand pounds for a wedding? That's just not normal, Luce. I unfortunately, I think it is more normal than we realise. I think we are the sort of people that would not dream of ever doing that. But I think there are unbelievable gits in the world that do do that. And particularly when you see um, the tabloids will often reprint incredible demands that like there was a bride recently who charged her guests to come to her wedding. Another one that had a wedding list and put on it gifts over £200 only, please. And things like that. (laughs) You know, people... uh, weddings aren't weddings anymore. They're, they're, they're seen as commercial enterprises. It's really peculiar and appalling, hideously distasteful, but it is. Mm. So I think for you and I, we're like, no, why would, why would, you know, no, nobody would do that. 
But I think there are more people on heaven and earth than we realize would do that. Okay. Maybe I've slightly got the wrong end of the stick. And I did listen to, so we're recording this on what day is it? Tuesday. So I did listen to Monday's episode, which I know we should really mention, but I will just for the sake of this. And two things. Number one, that Gavin um, apparently calls Kirsty and says sorry. And I mentioned that because it was annoying that it was off mic. Oh. So we and I'm getting a bit we fed up. analyse it for, all... for, for secret exactly. meanings and get it all wrong. Yes. And I'm getting a little bit annoyed of all this uh, people reporting on things that, which have been said. It is our job to listen in. What we have ears, right? We are listening to this thing. I don't hear Kirsty's interpretation of anything. I just want to hear what was said to Kirsty, and I'll come to my own conclusions, right? And that's three quarters of the fun of listening to yeah. this thing, right? Okay, so please, Mr. Script Editor, please, script writers, you've got to stop all this. Uh, people reporting on things which have been said, number one. Then, number two, um, Philip and Kirsty had quite a nice scene afterwards. And we're supposed to take from that that their relationship is genuine. But I go back to the point that I made before. And no, I don't really believe there's some kind of, uh, that he's uh, laundering money through the business. Because the way that that scene uh, was played out was that he's genuinely in love with Kirsty, etc. And he's a nice guy. The vibe he got was nice guy. But there is something to do with money and filling. Really? And yes. I'm not saying it's dodge. I'm not. But this, but there is something. Maybe it's to do with his divorce from um, Gavin's mother. And maybe part of Gavin's thing is that he thinks that he's withheld money from his mother. I don't know. But there is something there. And... This is the only point of interest that we've had from the character of Philip. He's crushingly, I'm not going to say boring, just been a non-entity, hasn't he? He's been an utter non-entity, uh, just a voice of somebody who's been with a beloved character, Kirsty. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. I think there's slightly more to him than that, but not a great deal. But then quite often the blokes start off like that. Um, you know, you would. You, we always used to say that Roy, the racist, was the only that was that was the only interesting thing about him. And then there was all the stuff with Elizabeth, and um, you know, he sort of grew a bit. And then with Lexi, um, so Philip just has to grow into himself a bit, I think. But I, I didn't pick mm. up on that money stuff at all. I mean, it's quite interesting actually. My friends are having a um, house. I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure I'm not saying anything that would give away any detail about anything I don't think I am. If I do think of it, I will let you know and ask you to take it out. But they're having their house done up at the moment. It's a huge renovation job. Um, they've got a one-man band organizing it all. A guy like um, Philip, you know, runs the same sort of business. And he um, has uh, the last job he did 
the woman that he did it for um, didn't like the job and has withheld 18 grand from him. She's refused to pay the last £18,000 until he comes back and fixes what she thinks is wrong. What she thinks is wrong is in mm-hmm. dispute, but because she didn't give him the eighteen grand, he was unable to pay his contractors over Christmas. And mm-hmm. he had a nervous breakdown and went missing. And he was put on sort of, uh, you know, the police were alerted and they found him a long way away in some woods. Um and they weren't sure and they're still not quite sure what he was going to do. He's now gone to the doctors and he's getting help and everything. But I think when you are a single um, a sole contractor and you are managing lots and lots of subcontractors and there's lots going on and there's another job, you know, running along in the background, I think cash flow is a tremendous – and you do have moments. I know from builders, I know that, you know, they will have moments where they've got sort of, you know – 60 grand sitting in a current account, but it's not going to be there for very long. Um, And I think that explains Philip's kind of seeming liquidity and then also worry about money and how anybody could have 20 grand just sitting in their account. Um, It's usually there to go to pay someone else, isn't it? Um, So, yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly dodgy, but I think I think that level of um, when you're that sort of business, that level of cash flow is much more common. That is sort Mm. of ebb and flow of it all. Will you stop making sense of insensible, please? (laughs) Sorry. Mm. Right then. So that's put an end to all of my wild (laughs) theories. But, you know, because, you know, when when, when I've had big building jobs, done you know i've sort of forked over a eye-watering amounts of cash and thought oh my god he must be loaded that bloke and then looked around and thought of mm. all the blokes that are on site and how much they need and how much all the equipment's costing and how blah, 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 blah. and you think this the money doesn't stay in your account for very long it zips off but if uh if gav wanted to see it that way and say to his dad well you've just got for that job you know he's not going to necessarily want to address the fact that yes that's because his father has now got to fork out god knows how much to other contractors and suppliers and whatever else so he's still an ass whatever but i don't think i just gavin is still undeniably a massive ass but i think that the money situation is actually more likely than we makes more sense than we realize in the real world Mm. Did you watch Gavin and Stacey over Christmas? No. Huh. You don't like Gavin and Stacey? I've never seen it. Goodness. See, you're always full of surprises, you. Always full of surprises. Hmm. I'll move on then. Uh, Why was Jim sick? Because he had food poisoning. I was thinking, was it from the ham at the bull? But then mm-hmm. Alistair had the same sandwich and he wasn't sick, so it can't have been that. And then I thought, <laughs> I spend too much time thinking about this nonsense. <laughs> that was my thought process. <laughs> but why was he sick? Because he delivered the show anyway. Mm. What was that supposed to I tell don't know. Us? There's a lot of kind of false starts going on, aren't there? Exactly. Like, there has to have been a point, you know, isn't it 
Chekhov's vomit or something or another. Like there has to be a point to it or Schrodinger's vomit or there's somebody with a middle European name who wrote about drama and the significance of things. What was the point of it? Well, it was just... I, I, I found it entertaining in and of itself uh. and the fact that Linda was going to be drafted in to do it and that's the thing that really, you know, and, and that Robert... Because Robert Snell's been really interesting in all this because we've always said that he's literally the most perfect character, yeah. isn't he? The most perfect character in the whole thing, that he's a rock for Lindy uh, and he has her has a measure, has her back, knows when to coax her. He's just brilliant with her. But he fell to pieces completely with uh, directing this thing, you know, and and being anywhere near the limelight. Yeah. yeah. A whole load of light has been shone on uh, Robert Snell and fundamentally just come up lacking massively. But what was the point of it, though? What was the point of Jim being ill and then still being able to deliver the last performance? I have no idea because it wasn't related to the Harold Thurston storyline, was it? But the exactly. Harold nope. Jason, because yeah, that was separate anyway. Have you listened this week? Yes. Does he get better? Is he now back to normal? Uh, Jim, yeah. Okay, so it's not like some incipient illness that's going to. Mm-mm get worse over the next 12 months or something? Not, not, not as far as... Uh, well, this week is only Sunday and Monday. Yeah. We're recording on Tuesday, but we haven't had Tuesday's episode yeah. yet. So it's just it odd. odd. It is odd, yeah. And there's not... Oh. No, it doesn't seem to link in... It's a self-contained storyline. It doesn't link in with anything else, does it? No. Unless, you know, this week we're going to have somebody else ill after eating something at the ball. But then it would have been Alistair then, because they both had the same sandwich. So how can it affect one person and not another? There you go. Odd, odd, mm. odd. Mm. But anyway, a lot of things are going in the odd pile at the moment, aren't they? True that, true that. Well, Luce, you know what? Us being the consummate archers, commentariat professionals, we've managed to eke out 42 minutes were for the fact that we only got three calls. So why don't we do the calls now and we can go back uh, to normal broadcasting uh, after we have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge3962. And it's Andrew Horn, not Thorn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. Happy New Year to you all. Over recent months, I've been concerned at the number of strange storylines we're getting. Ah. Uh, I think it's the influence <laughs> of the uh, We get lots of shorter stories, yep. things that just pop up, aren't explained. And um, the sort of collegiality of the writing seems to have changed. It's not so seamless. You can tell you get good weeks and bad weeks, uh, whereas before it was much more even. And a manifestation of that in the last week has also has been the emasculation of Jazza. 
acting out of character, Jazza would not faint during the ghost stories. Uh, Jazza would not get so... Well, he might actually get so drunk on on uh, New Year's Eve uh, that he didn't play his bagpipes. But he's done that every year. He always plays the bagpipes. I don't think Jazza would actually get so stocious, as he would say, good Glaswegian word for you, um, that he couldn't play. So I am I am very worried about this and about Jazza's changing character. All I can hope is that in the next week, as he finds a way to broach the death of uh, of Harold Jason, that he finds a way of uh, of returning to character, um, and then I can uh, can relax. Um, Hopefully it'll be in, in one of your tweets, but uh, there was a lovely tweet uh, of the, in, in in there about Harrison and Jazza having a conversation about what looks like an ordinary death until the trained eye can spot some tarantula bites. Uh, <laughs> that did make me giggle. Uh, maybe concerned until I'd heard the episode, then it made me giggle. Anyway, speak to you all soon. Take care. Bye. Mm. Yeah, Andrew's noticed yep. it too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and put it much more succinctly than we did. Yeah, well, yeah, he he doesn't have a whole podcast to fill. Yeah, Andrew only had two minutes mm. to fill. Andrew Horn, thank you for that, and happy New Year, yeah, Andrew. Uh, now we go over to Glastonbury, and it's magical, mystical Merlin. Good evening, everyone on Dumpty Dumland, and I wish you all a happy New Year. This is Merlin. What an interesting week on on the Archers. Uh, very pleased with Jolene returning and putting Kenton in his place so quickly. That was just wonderful. The gym and uh, food poisoning story was just weird. Not quite sure what to make of that one. And then we had Helen and Black Widow. That uh, so inappropriate on so many levels. I can't imagine what Helen or the scriptwriters were thinking. Uh, first I had <laughs> Natasha mean I can't listen happily to a Welsh accent. Now I have Helen meaning I can't watch any Marvel <laughs> films and the Avengers. That is just, uh, I need to wash my brain out of that particular <laughs> It's terrible. And then the other thing was Tony, incredibly disappointed with Tony, who was incredibly condescending to Lee, which would be bad enough in itself. But then you discover he's using a castration method on his on his calves, which has been banned in many countries on welfare grounds, and thirty years ago, when I qualified as a vet, was a questionable welfare thing. You shouldn't be using castration rings; there are better better options. Ooh. So, for Pat and Tony to be using that goes completely against the grain. Combination of all those things, as I say, what an interesting week that was. Mm. Quickly say, I've only just realised that the whole Black Widow thing was meta. It's because she nearly killed yeah. Rob. She was a Black Widow. I, I've only just realised. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, it was nothing to do she with She didn't realise, did she? Birthday. She didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Neither did he. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I got there in the end, everybody. Um, uh, castration so, ring mm. is quite interesting. But bear in mind, Merlin, they are a homeopathic farm. So quite frankly... Uh, the steers are probably quite grateful that, you know, Tony just isn't talking to their bollocks saying, would you like to drop off? That's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know nothing about nothing when it comes to farms other than um, they've got animals and they can smell a bit whiffy. But Merlin's point did seem to be somewhat valid to me in that. 
because they are at that farm, a bridge farm, they're all about um, animal welfare because, you know, they're the first organic farm in, in the village and probably in Borsetshire going way back to the 80s, blah, blah, blah. So you'd think that animal welfare and husbandry is going to be high on their list of yeah. priorities. You know, they're an ethical farm. So it does seem to me to be odd that they would use such a method of castration that, you know, is poo-pooed, you know, through half of the globe. Well, I don't... I remember <clears throat> I my... um. My uh, family friends, um, I used to help out in the lambing shed, and they used to do it like, mm. well, no, on lambs that was. They used to do it like that on lambs. I don't know about cows, actually. Do we have any? Now, we do have a dairy farmer, but I can't remember, and it's a woman, and I can't remember where she is. If you're a dairy farmer and, you're, um, and uh, you are a listener, then please tell us how you do it. Yes. Mm. And just and how long you know when they used to do it to the little ram ramalama yeah. ding dongs? Um, how long would it be before the knackers actually just like dropped off? <sighs> I think. No, hang on. Was it what? Oh, good. I think it was about a week. Mm. I remember there being a lot of iodine, having to spray iodine on them. Quite frankly, Wilfred, mm. this could all have been a dream, to be honest. So I would, <laughs> I wouldn't take that much notice. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you normally dream yes. of testicles, do everybody? You vengeful feminist <laughs> testicles dropping off, tightly elastic bandaged <laughs> testicles. <laughs> all right, so we go from a mythical Glastonbury over to the upper lower east west side, and it's all with a spoon. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Yoko Baron, Millie Bell, and a Happy New Year to all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, thanks to Yoko Bear, Andrew, and Angela for standing in for our Dumpty Dum parents who have been on <laughs> well-deserved holidays. By the yes. way, Angus celebrated his 10th birthday yesterday, and fortunately, despite much partying, today is feeling better than Jim did on New Year's. Overall, once the Christmas fireworks at Bridge Farm were done, thought it's been a rather quiet week. As predicted, Helen and Lee were together by the new year. We hope this gives Helen happiness and stability in her life. But does this mean that Rob, the Dracula of Ambridge, will be returning in 2020 to create some chaos? There was a nice scene between Lee and Tony, Tony inviting Lee to help him with the steers and straw, demonstrating that he's better at expressing his feelings through behavior than talking though he then did open up and talk to Lee about how he feels regarding not protecting his daughter against the aforementioned Dracula. Oh, I keep mixing up the archers and Dracula. Hey, everyone's been talking about Dracula the last few days. What did you think of the ending? Were you disappointed? But I digress. Anyway, Helen giveth and Helen taketh away. Kirsty should have listened to Roy. You knew as soon as Helen advised Kirsty to talk with Gavin about his wedding plans that the conversation would not go well. And it went even worse than that. We'll see mm -hmm. how this affects Kirsty and Philip's relationship going forth. We've been waiting for something to negatively affect the honeymoon period they've been in. Well, that's all I have for today. 
Again, Happy New Year, and talk to you soon. Hmm. Uh, bye-bye, Mr. Spoon, and Mr. Spoon. Uh, Happy New Year to you, sir. <laughs> and Happy Birthday to Angus Haggis. Yes. Well he done, looked very sprightly mate. on the beach uh, when I saw him. Hmm? Ooh. Right. Uh, anything you want to uh, say? Mm. No, because I don't think I've heard Philip and Krusty talking about. I think that was Sunday, so I haven't heard it yet. All right. Okay. So I can't. All right. Well, let's see if we can. I was going to say if we can bring this in under an hour, but that's going to be an impossibility because uh, we've got Yokel Bear to go, and you know he he likes to chat with <laughs> our Yokel Bear. So uh, I'm going to quickly say this: any emails? Um, no. See? Mm, okay. Uh, so there's no emails, and there's no uh, female callers, and so it's a good job we got our Lucy there to give us some a little bit of gender balance. Uh, but now it's time for a had advertisement break and we'll come back the other side with a touch of the mr bears how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Yokel Bear here with a social media roundup for the week and Happy New Year, everyone. And also, thank you for all the lovely comments about me stepping in and helping hosting with Andrew Horn and Angela Barnes. It's marvellous, wasn't it? I was really worried about the recording levels and stuff like that. It's a bit of a mess by the end of it. Anyway, let's get on with the social media roundup. As it's New Year, before New Year, we asked the question, uh, what would you wear to the bull as fancy dress? Because obviously, you know... Helen Winter's um, Black Widow. Yeah, there's a few ways of looking <laughs> at that, isn't there? Lee just went in his work clothes and, you know, for me, 
Linda, uh, Linda as Mary Anning wins it for me. But I am a bit of a dinosaur nerd, so there you go. But what would you wear? Nick Meredith set his sights on Elizabeth. He said, gorilla suit, so I could grab Elizabeth Barger to leave with her and biff Russ if he interfered. Um, yes, biffing Russ, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. A.D. Phillips took a bit of a dark turn when he said, the corpse in the culvert. Oh my God, are you going as Stefan? <laughs> Ooh. Quentin Bennett said, uh, a 20s flapper with a peacock headdress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you'll find there's some feathers going. Annette Ellis said, uh, she's going as the Environment Agency. <laughs> that put the wind up, Brian, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sue Howard said, she'd go as Doctor Who, number four, mainly because I already have the scarf. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to have one of those scarves. I wonder where it is. And we just end this by with Nick Holland, who said, I'm going in the buff, as I've recently been rewilded. <laughs> Which did make me laugh. We also had a Facebook post where we asked you about what have been your favourite Archer's moments of the year? And also, what have been the low points? And we got some really lovely replies to this. Um, a lot of people agreed that even though it was quite hard to listen to sometimes, the Jim storyline was, was incredibly good. Pamela Lowy Lane says, Jim Lloyd's storyline this year, in particular the handling of the revelations regarding his traumatic childhood and the reactions of his loved ones, has been an absolute high point for me. Jed Robinson said that he thought um, the the high point, if you like, even though, again, it was really poignant, was uh, has to be Eddie talking to his dad after finding he'd um, mm. slipped off. Um, a lot of people as well said uh, that they're really enjoying Tracy Horobin. Yes, we love Tracy. 2020 should be the year of more <laughs> Tracy. Gillian Massey said um, she wants to hear more of Tracy Horobin because she has no airs and graces. Isn't actually smarter than I think she's um, being used, uh, being portrayed. Yeah, I think actually there's a re there is a real smartness to. Um, Tracy, I think sometimes she's not very confident with it, but she is she's sharp as a tack, um, and I just I just love her. I just and Tracy is probably my favourite character at the moment. On the downsides, though, a lot of people mentioned the Peggy uh, trust line story. Um, Stephen Bowden said not just the rewilding, although that has been hopeless. Um, enough but the whole concept from start to finish and in particular the idea that someone thought this was a good way of marking june spencer's 100th birthday it wasn't it was a travesty don't hold back there Stephen. yeah i don't think it's come off the way that they intended it to and i think they've been forced down some various routes like um phoebe just being really annoying about it and and i i don't know i just don't know where this is going um, and more to the point, I think a lot of people just don't really care that much. Um, I think there's been much better storylines. But also, I'm going to I'm going to quote Jed uh, Robinson again, because he actually posted another thing on this thread that said, I've really enjoyed reading through these posts, a reminder of a great um, what a great program this is. And I think that's absolutely right. We've said it time and time again, even though because we love this show, we we get annoyed about <laughs> some plot lines at its core and 
90% of the time, The Archers is just great. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I think looking back on the last year, there was a lot to really, really enjoy in The Archers. Now, the other thing that we talked about a lot this week was Gavin. Yeah, couldn't really avoid it because it kind of overarched a lot of things, didn't it? Um, Helena Bennett actually posted something saying, will Gavin's awful wedding mean Philip won't get to to renovate the playground? Now, the problem is, that's a really good question, Helena, but a lot of people didn't answer it. They just went into rants about how awful um, Gavin is. And I think that's the the power of this character is just, no matter what you ask about him, everyone's just going to say, yeah, don't like him. There were a few people who said, you know, let's look at it from the other um, side, but most people didn't like him now emma zukowska you've got to be my comment of the week because you did it in verse so let's have a bit of power poetry shall we emma emma posted a wedding planned a destination exotic but will it leave fill lots out of pocket the environmental impact kirsty won't be smiles going to bali is a lot of air miles Will this then mean the playground short of grass? It definitely means that Gavin's an ass. Well done, Emma. Well done. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Maybe we could have more posts in poetry. Come on, Dumpty Dummers, get on it. Now, on this wedding thing, Nick Mears posted something really interesting when he said, a friend of ours tried to get her family and friends to go out to an exotic Greek isle for her wedding and gave up when no one stumped up for the airfares. She still not married him after X many years together. They spent their wedding money in travelling, uh, a much better investment, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I know I can see the point of marriage, but, you know, for that amount of money, if you're going to spend that amount of money, maybe there's better things to spend it on. Um, you know, do a cheap registry office, blow the rest on just a decent holiday for yourself. Now, I am going to end on something that I really enjoyed this week, which is when is Kenton going to learn that there is literally nothing, literally nothing that he can get past Jolene? I really enjoyed her torturing him this week um, with the uh, talk of the Eccles Memorial. Martin van der Heuvel said, Jolene, the singing detective. Um, Melissa Williams said, Ken, uh, Kenton has clearly overtaken Dopey Dave's role in the family. What an idiot. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been kind of a good week in Ambridge. Also, I just want to um, apologise. Ruth Simpson said, Grandma Nazi alert because I got something wrong in a post which I posted. Um, yeah, grammar's not my forte, actually. But there you go. Anyway, apologies. Um, but, yes, so... It's quite a good week in Ambridge looking forward to this week as well next week you'll have the lovely Millie Bell and that's it social media roundup done for the week all right bye 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 bye, Mr Bear well done to you sir first social media round for 2020 brings a warm lovely glow to me Uh, Lucy uh, can we have a mirror headline or two and then we'll have some tweets then I'll talk about the shop then we'll say uh how people can contact us. Then Actually, we'll say this is a long one. Um, Peter Mabbott, this is from, I don't know where, it's from a, a clearly a, a, um, a Suffolk uh, newspaper. Uh, Suffolk man has sex with 450 tractors. And, yep. What? 
tractor fetishist. This is my favorite, <laughs> and it came from Twitter, and it's from um, a, a, a Floridian um, uh, newspaper. I'm going to break mm-hmm. the rule of a lifetime and read you the whole thing because it just gets better and better and better as it goes along. Right? You ready? Florida couple arrested mm-hmm. for selling tickets to heaven. A couple in Florida, <laughs> Tito and Amanda Watts, were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99 per ticket told buyers the tickets are made from solid gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you are in. This is Tito Watts' police statement. I do not care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold and it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and told me to sell them so I could get some money to go to outer space. I met an alien named Stevie who said if I got the cash together, he would take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that is made entirely of drugs. You should arrest Jesus because he is the one that gave me the golden tickets. I am willing to wear a wire and set Jesus up. Police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia and a baby alligator. (laughs) I just love the baby alligator dropped in at the end. Wow. Oh, do you want tweets of the week now? No uh, yes, ponders. Please. Oh, Roy, you are so masterful. No one takes any notice of you. <laughs> um, Marshall Laws was talking mm. about the, um, uh, the, the peacock. She said it was probably just a pigeon that fallen and upcycled. Uh, Christine Michael said, why, do- <laughs> why doesn't <laughs> Helen go as a wheel of cheese? Nazilla 63 said a rubber band around the testicles until they drop off this plot line could solve many problems in the archers and Mr. Snow's tweet of the week hey. say what you like about the mm-hmm. archers but what other show gives you explicit bullet castrating guidance while you're making your tea <laughs> <laughs> just going back to your um, your headline uh, about yeah, people selling heaven. tickets uh, to heaven. Um, took me two days to get through Messiah on Netflix. I'm not saying it's the best thing ever, but it, it is interesting philosophically uh, in terms of uh, the, relig- the religious-osity, I just about <laughs> said that, and also the um, kind of, yeah, the, the social kind of comment. So the, the the premise is is that there is somebody who remarkably looks and feels a bit like uh, a modern day Jesus, uh, who's turned up in the Middle East. And you can imagine if such a person did turn up, um, the hornet's nest they would stir up in the Middle East. Uh, and this person comes over from, um, I think, the Jordanian Jordanian side of the border and tries to get into Israel. And then almost miraculously, after leading a group of people, no, Syria, comes from Syria, Damascus. And then miraculously, the next day, he's in Texas at a small church. And it's good. It's not amazing. It's not... I don't think it's as accomplished as, let's say, the Kaminsky method, which is just a who's very in it? Is well it Dominic Thingamabob? No, who's program. in it, Messiah? 
I don't know anybody that that that's in. I recognise the. I'm going to have to go go and Google this now. Um, the the lead woman who is the CIA woman who's tracking him. Um, Messiah Netflix cast. Here we go. Uh, Michelle Monaghan is okay. the lead, and uh, the guy who you think is the Messiah, could well be the Messiah, is a guy called Mehdi Deby. Um, it, it's a whole load of people who you might recognise their faces, but they're not particularly big actors and stuff. But it, it's it's good. It, it's very interesting. Um, you don't know where it's going. It's clever. It, on IMDb, it's got an 8 out of 10. And as a, and as a rule of thumb, anything on IMDb, which is is seven and above mm. is bloody good, you know. Is you can, you can watch it, and this has got a solid eight, so this is good. Um, and there's going to be a second season. Like it ends, and you're like, what? Um, as I say, it's not going to be the best thing you're ever going to watch in 2020. It's not going to win any Golden Globes. Talking about Golden Globes, uh, why, why do you reckon to Ricky Gervais's speech? Didn't hear it. Oh, bloody hell, Lucy. Anyway, back to Messiah. It's good. Go watch it. Um, give yourself uh, a long weekend. And um, it's interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so you've done tweets. You've done a mirror headline. Uh, com. Go there. It's got some stuff on there. It's awesome. Smashing. And um, Lucy? Yes. Um. Why don't you read some stuff out? Um, remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. Mm. And uh, of course, on Twitter, you can find us where we are at Dum Dum. I'm at Royfood. Lucy is at Lucy V. Freeman. And um, other kind of people who are part of our gang. Of course, there's local bear who really is at Dum Dum. You can find him where he's at Yokel Bear. And then occasional uh, podcast host of the show, Angela Barnes, can be found at Angela Barnes on Twitter. And then, of course, there is Facebook and uh, things go on there, which I do. I am. I'm not really privy to. They just kind of do their own thing there. It's just like, a, you know, when you throw in like organic matter into a Petri dish and just leave <laughs> it for a time and it just develops into something but doesn't rot but I mean something beautiful it sprouts beautiful um foliage and that's what goes on on Facebook so I don't know where I was going with that but that was about to go spectacularly wrong and I might have just have rescued it but you might have heard, heard my brain flailing to come up with a suitable nice metaphor for the valiant efforts of Witherspoon Millie Bell and Yoko Bear on the platform that is commonly known as Facebook. We used to be called the Facebook back in the day. Now, Lucy, um, first dum dum of the year is just about over. Um, I've talked about Messiah. It's a thriller on Netflix. I think it's rather good. Uh, Man in the High Castle was also very yeah. good, but that's on Amazon. Right. And that's a Philip K. Dick uh, thing. Uh, dramatization very good very good indeed uh what did you watch over christmas um, i watched grace and frankie so thank you very much to i know titian is a big fan of grace and frankie and um someone recommended it to me on the twitters and you you mentioned it as well and said oh this is yeah. it. and it's cracking i love it i really love it no it is 
utterly brilliant. Yeah. And that's where the Kaminsky method is a, a knockoff of that. Um, that's the only thing you watch over Christmas. No good films. No. No. All right. Right then. Uh, Can I go and give you Waitrose order? You do that. I think we've just come in just before time. So I'll say goodbye. Why don't you say goodbye? And then we'll both say goodbye and then we can end this thing. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 